Go for it. Hi, ladies. Kyle and I are back in Dan Rieger's cozy studio on this rainy spring afternoon in Portland, Oregon. And we are wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to talk about sleep. But first off, we have a special WTF for today's episode that we want to spring on you. And that's, it's 2 a.m. and I'm wide awake again. Why does this keep happening to me? WTF. Does that sound familiar? Absolutely. Can you relate? Yes, I can. (laughs) (laughs) I, I wanted to also share before we get into it why we're awake at 2 a.m. I wanted to share a letter from one of our WTF listeners. And please, listeners, email us anytime on our website at www.womentalkingfrankly.com. So this lady wrote in and she said, sounds so familiar, Mm -hmm. seems like ever since I entered my 40s, I've had a hell of a time getting a good night's rest. Between the thoughts I can't turn off in my head and the hot flashes that wake me up every night, I, I can't seem to get a decent night's sleep. So, do I have to live like this forever? Signed, Sleepless in San Diego. Well, just to jump in here, no, she doesn't have to because we've got lots of ideas about that. But I always tell my patients, though, the ones who get up at 2 a.m., that they're not alone. We've talked about this before yes. in a previous episode. You probably call could a friend. Te- call your friend or text them. Mm. You know, they're probably up too. So, you're definitely not alone, but it does feel very lonely. It's, it's lonely, and, and the truth is we aren't getting enough sleep. Sleep experts have been telling us that for ages. In fact, um, the last year measured by Gallup 2013 uh, surveys told us that the average American is sleeping less than 6.8 hours a night. I don't right. know where they came up with 6.8, <laughs> but evidently less than seven hours of sleep a night yeah, is, I agree. I it qualifies it. you as a short sleeper. And, and the issue around that is that there are a dismaying number of studies that show us if we're not sleeping more than seven hours a night, seven to nine is ideal, we're really sitting ducks for developing depression, ADHD, obesity. Did you know there's a huge link between oh, lack yeah. of sleep and weight gain? Mm-hmm. Type 2 diabetes cardiovascular disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's. Okay, that's depressing. It is. And I have to tell you that I'm one of those people who's probably guilty. I'd say things like, I'll sleep when I die, and not getting enough sleep. But I'm certainly, um, I've been changed by doing more research on sleep. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what we were just talking about, all these dire predictions and all these links to disease are probably why over just, just a little over five years ago, it's not so long ago, the CDC decided that sleep deprivation is is actually a public health epidemic. Mm-hmm. There are over 70 million adults. So how many people are in this country? Three billion. That's nearly a third of adults are ha- that have some sort of sleep disorder. And that kind of ranges from, what are we talking about? We can't fall asleep, or we can't stay asleep, mm-hmm. or we can't sleep at all. Right. So that sort of surprised me that that number is so huge, but then again, not. I mean, Kyle, you and I analyze test results all the time. Yeah. We ask people to fill in their symptoms, and I almost always see sleep problems listed as as either moderate or severe. I would. How about I could, you? I would concur with that. I just want to jump up to your math there for a second. I'm a little confused. <laughs> you said a third. So I don't know how many millions of people are in our country, but I, that's a large number, 70 million. I think yeah. you said a third. I'm not sure if that's a third, but... I'm not sure either. I know, but, but I just, I'm trying to... I shouldn't do math. I know, just Especially laughing. not on our podcast. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> but that but was it's, funny. It's a significant, it's a significant I mean, problem. other stats I've read is that 30 to 50% I think that's of Americans right. have some sort of a sleep disorder. And there's about 10% of those that have you know, full out uh, insomnia. Well, look at all the people who are on medications and look at all the medications that are available now. 41 billion being spent on medications. And which generation would you guess has the most sleep complaints? I think probably people in their mid 40s and 50s. Because that's going to be the... Yeah, absolutely. And the Fitbit sleep data is telling us that that is actually the case and there's a lot more to support that. But does that surprise us, Kyle? No, not at all. Because again, I've been seeing patients in my office for over 30 years and really focusing on the whole hormonal issue for the last, I think, 18, 20 years. And I'd say one of the most common complaints I hear is I cannot sleep. And guess what happens when you can't sleep? You get belly fat, you are tired, you're cranky, you're moody, everything falls apart. So adequate sleep is absolutely essential for good health. It's considered to be as vital for us as eating. You know, it's, it's, if we don't sleep, you know, I always think back to, I mean, I ever have moments of not being able to sleep. I always think about poor Michael Jackson not being able to sleep and so desperate to get help that mm, he would even take mm-hmm. fentanyl. People mm-hmm. are desperate to sleep. And if you can't, you know, anybody who's suffered from sleep deprivation and use it as a torture method when you think about it. Oh, yeah. Keep people awake for days of at course, a time. That's right. It makes you crazy. So yeah. people crave sleep. I like so, this phrase, and we put some notes together here for this podcast, and you can call it, you know, it's as essential as food for survival. It's right. our biological downtime. So yeah. just to kind of review, yes, sleep restores, reboots, recharges. It helps us burn calories, so it regulates our metabolism. We're healing and and restoring and repairing, and our immune system is strengthening when we're sleeping. Yeah. Uh, And that's an interesting point, too, non-vision time, needing to restore our vision. You know, they said that what I read was that vision is actually expensive cognitively. We're using all parts of our brain, and when we're sleeping, our, our, our vision is turned off, so we're able to relax the brain. But, you know, what are some of the symptoms of not sleeping well? You know, people, I hear people can't fall asleep. But the bigger mm-hmm. here I hear is they can't stay asleep. I fall asleep okay, but I wake mm-hmm. up again, like you said, at 2 in the morning. And then when they wake up in the morning, you know, first of all, you're desperate for sleep. So you wake up and you look at the clock, it's 2. Okay, you toss and current for another hour, then it's 3, then it's 4. And you're like, I've got a meeting, I've got to take my kids to school, I've got this, I've got that, and I'm desperate to sleep. So I wake up in the morning and I'm dragging. So what do I do? I have some caffeine, which is fine, but again, it's, you know, it's not the best restorative thing for your body. Then... You may have caffeine late in the afternoon because you're tired, and now you're going to be wired at night. This leads to being stressed. People get moody. They get depressed. I actually read a statistic that said something like 80% of people who are depressed have suffered from insomnia or sleep deprivation or sleep problems before. So that's huge. It can lead to depression. And anxiety, of course, which is huge now as well. People also have decreased concentration. Like think about when you hadn't slept the night before and you go to work and you just, you can't concentrate. You can't think as well. You can't recall, you know, recall things like word word, uh, recall. You also see people gaining weight. They start getting hungry and craving the wrong kind of food, sugar, high fat, and, you know, just they're starving. And and let's talk about why that is. I mean, that's an important connection to hormones, and we're all about hormones here. Absolutely. So we know that um, the two hormones that control uh, the sleep-wake cycle are cortisol 
and melatonin. Right. And cortisol, we, we measure throughout, is made by the adrenals, is measured throughout the day. We want it to be highest in the morning. So we're bounding out of bed, feeling rested and refreshed and ready for our day. And then that, we see this in test results all the time, Kyle, don't we? We're looking mm-hmm. for a pattern where that cortisol awakening response is robust and we're feeling great. And then as you track it, our cortisol levels should kind of hold steady throughout the day, but gradually... Um, reducing to a, a lower level at night so that we are ready for calming and sleep. Think of it like a um, when you uh, char- I always give the example of when people recharge their phones. You know, your phone when you wake up in the morning, you've charged your phone overnight. It's at full battery, and mm-hmm. by the end of the day, exactly. you, ex- you expect the battery to be depleted yeah. and needing to be recharged. And our own and our bodies need to be, have the highest level of cortisol in the morning, but not too high. Because not too, too high. If it's too high, that means our bodies are stressed, but high enough to do all the functions of cortisol right and and not and we don't want to see that um, high levels at any time we don't want to see flatlined high levels we want to see this gradual this gradual drop to a low level at night so that what what happens is that the other hormone that controls the sleep-wake cycle melatonin the master sleep hormone can begin to rise at night so that we can get into the deeper stages of sleep so let's talk a little bit about melatonin yeah melatonin is known and let's let's also talk about what happens with melatonin as we get older we know that levels drop by 60 to 70 percent so people say i don't sleep as well as they get older there's a real biological reason for that so like Candace said, cortisol is the master metabolism hormone. We think of an energy level, and it does it helps us to um, utilize all of our, you know, the, the um, proteins, fats, and energy to make energy. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, carbs, protein, and fats to make energy. It helps regulate our blood sugar. It also helps with the immune response. It helps distribute stored fat. Melatonin, on the other hand, is sort of that down regulator. It's a master sleep hormone. Right. And it's produced by what's called the pineal gland. And it only is produced or it's it's stimulated for production during the dark phase of the light-dark cycle. So it regulates the sleep cycle. And so when you have darkening, the darkening hours coming, melatonin rises. And and then as the night goes on and you're time to wake up, the light then cues your cortisol. So people who have upset, you know, maybe shift workers, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit, have um, disrupted um, sleep cycles. But um, the fun thing about melatonin that I just learned recently, it has more functioning than just the sleep-wake cycle. It actually is considered to be... Uh, free radical scavenging and and has an antioxidant properties stim- actually stimulates our immune system and that makes so much sense when you think about when we talk about what decreases our immunity we think mm-hmm. of like poor nutrition you know maybe not good hydration lots lots of stress but lack of sleep when you don't sleep your immune system is messed up and melatonin has a direct effect on that as well as that indirect I've heard effect. a lot about melatonin in in regard to breast cancer yes. being protective against breast cancer and one of those immune boosters that you definitely want to be using. But you know, one of the, it's interesting, we always take for granted somehow when you're older, you don't sleep as much and melatonin goes down. But you know, in 1900 years ago, people did sleep much, much more deeply mm-hmm. and much and much longer. Like yeah. the average night's sleep was nine, 10 hours a night. I've read that people would sometimes get up in the night, maybe go check the cows, you know, and when yeah. the, the culture was more agrarian. But um, but we used to sleep a lot more. And why why is that? Because well, we've got all this light about yeah, us. Exactly. We're always, you know, we from the beginning of the electric light bulb to now our constant screens being on yeah. all the time. This is a major 
this is a major awakening because we're always we're not allowing darkness to come on gradually and naturally. Well, we think don't about go New York sleep City with the sun. Set. Yeah, New York City is a city that never sleeps. Think about that. Yeah, you, know, you can go places where it, there's constant activity. Where, like you said, in an agrarian society, or I, for example, for me, I go to Hawaii. Companies, I often like to go to Hawaii. And what's funny there is the sun rises at six a.m. and it sets at six p.m. So by when the sun sets at six p.m and it's 9 p.m., what are you going to do? There's no place to go. There's nothing to do. You sleep. And your mm. body naturally goes into a sleep cycle with the, with the light cues. There's not a lot of light on those islands. It's, you know, it's very a quiet, quiet place to be. And it actually feels pretty good. You get, I get much more sleep when I go places like that because there's not that stimulation to stay up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we um, have all sorts of sleep myths too around sleeping that you know we we can stay up all night if we snooze we lose yeah um you know what about that you were saying you used to be one of those people i'll sleep when i die i've heard that so many times but yeah i like to I, i'm a high energy person i always think oh i've got so much to do i should sleep is not a big deal for me but as i've I think I've had my mind has been changed about that. I definitely sleep less in the summertime because I have more days of hours of light, and yeah, I think which, that's you know really typical. Like in a, here in, in the Great Northwest, we tend to have short days in the wintertime, so mm-hmm. I think we sleep more in the summertime. We have really long days of, of uh, you know daylight. Um, yeah, and I love the idea. So snooze that, that expression: you snooze, you lose. Well, actually, not you lose if you don't snooze because we need. To get some As rest. we're saying, all of these disease states that are actually linked to, and not to mention the belly fat, there's a, oh com- you know, that, that stress of a higher cortisol level and a lower melatonin level can really create a lack of sleep, um, you know, that can disrupt our sleep. And then we get this, com- this combination or this complication of the appetite hormones, those mm-hmm. little elves, ghrelin and leptin that actually also operate, oh, wouldn't you know it, on the sleep-wake cycle. Absolutely. So ghrelin, the hormone that tells you you're hungry, the hor- hunger hormone actually goes up when there's not enough melatonin around and we don't sleep deeply. And leptin, the hormone that tells you that you're full and you can stop eating now, goes down. It plummets. So where are we left? We're left with this with cravings, yep. with feeling hungry more often, even though, you know, and I'm sure some of you listening recognize this thing about, I just ate two hours ago and now I'm starving again. I know. This sense of never feeling full and it gets into the craving thing. And that is all horribly linked or terribly linked to overeating and overweight. And, it, you know, it's a real documented statistic that we got a problem. If we're not sleeping, we're going to have a metabolic problem. And like a lot of people who don't, um, who talk about gaining weight are, le- are eating a lot of food at night because they're like you said, their hormones are messed up. You're not really supposed to sleep. Another WTF. You know, yeah, what the fuck? Why am I waking up at 3 a.m. and heading straight to the fridge? <laughs> and eating the ice cream. <laughs> yeah. I know, it's so true. By the way, ladies, if you do find yourself doing that, at least eat some protein. Yeah, exactly. Instead of ice cream, cottage cheese, or, or have some, some nuts. Some nuts well, or. And then another a myth that I think is so interesting is the uh, that naps are a waste of time. You know, I, th- I know for myself... I love a quick cat nap on a certain, like a rainy day, like a, a nap, maybe 20, 30 minutes. And actually, yeah. the studies have shown that a nap that's less than, if, if you've ever had a really long nap, it can be very disruptive to your day and, and disruptive to your sleep cycle because you wake up really, you know, kind of foggy. But if you have a 30 minute nap or a 20 minute nap, they call it a cat nap, you get up and you're like alert and ready to go. And some of the famous, and it's better to do it early in the day. Yes. Some of the famous nappers were um, JFK, Churchill. Edison. So these people, you know, they 
they got it. They needed to take a little bit of break from their day. That I bet that's a challenge, though, for people who have problems falling asleep at night. I wonder how that works, you know, it, if they're better. I don't know what, what the statistics say or what anybody says about can you fall asleep easily in the afternoon or in the morning if you need a nap or I don't know if, if you're one of those people that has problems falling asleep in general. Well, look at cultures in general around the world. I mean, people, you know, I have lots of friends and family in Brazil now, and, and you look at the Latin American cultures and over in Italy, people take siestas. And mm. there's a reason for that. You get up in the morning, you work hard, you have lunch, and you take a little siesta after you... So re- common. It's so common. And it, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, you think about it, it, cultural things usually happen because there's a reason for it. It's time to take a rest in the middle of the day because you have a long day you have a long afternoon how civilized is that and usually they're like two hours <laughs> yeah how's i mean i think in europe you that's so common don't you create you know i'm an early morning person so i get yeah. five or six so by midday noon one o'clock i'm ready for a little nap of course i can't take one but if i'm home a 20 minute nap sounds perfect i'm glad you said that because i was reading up on all of this and it said that boomers and we are among the boomers mm-hmm. by the way um boomers are actually the first to start saying or to start having uh, extreme sleep problems because we're the ones that kind of restructured our our sleep schedule. We're the ones that said, you know, we're going to have a long work day, but we're going to get up at 5 a.m. and have a jog. Exactly. And, you know, we we do sort of have that... uh, um, that attitude that, you know, we're just always getting more things done all the time. Yeah, Instead push, push, of things push. slowing down, we're ramping up all the time. So Kyle's a perfect example. You get up, what what five, time? Five, five every morning. Mm-hmm. And so how do you mitigate that? Do you go to bed earlier? I do. do my, you... my husband's always laughing at me. He's always watching me when we're watching TV together. He's always like... You're nodding he's, off. He's I'm like, I'm normally awake. I'm really awake. It's pretty funny in our house. Uh-huh. Um, it, I do. And if I if I want to stay up later, I have to like, well, you know what I do is I take tyrosine in the middle of the day to give me energy. I do different things. Like yeah. I don't drink caffeine in the morning. So if I need some caffeine later in the day, but I also am very active, but my activity is mostly front loaded. I just want to comment. She she mentioned just now, you mentioned just now watching television with your husband at night. Yeah. Um, how many of us don't sit around? There are so many great television shows on. And right. We love our, we love our series. Um, but, you know, and we will be talking about remedies for sleep, but you want to move your, you don't want to be right up in, in your television screen. No, you don't. And you don't certainly want to end your television watching by getting into bed and then looking at your cell phone. No. Or your computer. Screens off. Uh, we'll, we'll allow the TV. You could even maybe try buying those orange glasses that cut that blue light. Yeah. Because we were just talking about the pineal gland of the brain that produces melatonin. Evidently, the blue light from these electronic gizmos absolutely <laughs> disrupts that. Absolutely. The uh, production through the pineal gland. So it actually blocks or shuts down melatonin production. So that's a serious thing. It is. A lot of people know about it, but not everybody. So it's worth yeah. mentioning and repeating. <laughs> and one more um, myth to go back to is one of the main causes of insomnia is worry. But actually, worry is only one of the many things that causes insomnia. So, you know, it's like, when we'll, you know, I'll, I'll, you'll think about it and think, you know, so uh, we talked about, you know, hot flashes, night sweats, and, you know, and we'll get into some of the things that cause people not being able to sleep. You know, obesity, sleep apnea, there's so many things that can cause, you know, if you have cardiovascular disease, that can disrupt your sleep. We're, we're, we're in the middle of a, a scare and a worry about the coronavirus right now. I'm sure that's keeping people awake. Oh, yeah. But, you know, one of the it, it, 
short of disasters happening, one of the best ways to deal with the worry syndrome is to write everything down. Yep. I, I go to bed every night. I have a notepad by my bed, mm-hmm. and I write down every single thing that is bugging me, Right, and hopefully there aren't too many things bugging me, and then I write down what I need to do tomorrow. Exactly. And, and sometimes I'll jump up and write down something else until my mind is completely empty, and then yep. I, I've got this thing I say in my head, blackboard, blackboard. Just yeah. nothing on the blackboard, and I can fall asleep. But I have to really empty my mind of worry. Yeah, that's true. And to do's. They, they used to call they used to call it an anxiety word, you know, an anxiety notebook. Anything because dates because daytime you're able to process your fears, and you can have like an action plan for them. Let's say you're worried about paying your bills and you have something coming up, you put an action an action plan in your notebook. So at nighttime when you wake up, and go, oh my god, did I pay that bill? You no, no, I did. I, I remember that notebook. I already have it written down. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, get, so now that we're on the topic of sleep disruptors, um, we, and you, Candace, you mentioned the blue light. Um, think about things like so. We talked about perimenopause when we're talking about women in having sleep problems. We see it most commonly in the perimenopause. The hormone levels are changing. Progesterone levels are dropping. Estrogen's you know kind of be, estrogen has many effects on sleep, and one of them is the fluctuating, lowering levels of estrogen can definitely cause sleep disruption. When and the soft. absence of the progesterone, which is, has natural calming and sleep-promoting so, yeah, properties. The two things together. But yeah. I see classically women who fall asleep can't stay asleep as being low in estrogen. And But before that, I see, you know, I also see the anxiety causing the inability to sleep. So those two things together can really affect your um, ability to sleep. Yeah, and it, I do think it's worse among the people I work with it is it does tend to be worse with perimenopausal women whose hormones are doing the roller coaster dance, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the the wobble and the dip and the spike and all of that. New a few new dance moves there with oh, our yeah. hormones and then we're waking up drenched in sweat. And what was the little saying about, you know, you're waking up um, because the sound of sweat dripping on the floor. <laughs> I know, <laughs> so true. I don't know if it's that bad, but it is that bad for for some women. Oh, sure it is. And you wake <clears throat> up and you're freezing and then you're hot and, you know, it's like... Yeah, it's getting yourself back together. Yeah. You take all your... First of all, you so wake you up and you're... you fall back asleep. You're so hot, you're, you're sweaty, you take off all your clothes, you open the windows, and then five minutes later, you're freezing. And so you yeah. tr- put your clothes back on and your husband looks at like, you're crazy. And, and by the way... I think it's 75% of women in perimenopause, those years approaching the menopause that do experience hot flashes and night sweats. There is so hot flashes and or night sweats. I know. It's a ton of people. So there's that. And we'll get to that. And then um, so we talked about obesity. And uh, some people have sleep apnea. And they can't sleep because they are constantly being, they're stopping stopping breathing. And it wakes them up throughout the night. And so those people, if someone tells you. Which is a tie-in with obesity as well. If someone tells you you snore, go. I had a friend this summer. One of my very best friends from high school came out this summer. And we kept telling her, you know, you need to get checked. And it turned out she was, she was, I think it's apnea, like something like 20 times a minute it was a lot she was whoa i mean it's like crazy is that that not uncommon though i mean once people are tested they do learn that they're stopping yeah and they have to get like a mouth guard or you know get a um, one of those machines that makes you look like hannibal lecter (laughs) but they they work so the best thing to do though would be to try to drop the excess weight of course and then of course that's that vicious cycle are we gaining weight because we're not sleeping i know so that's where we get into what else is disrupting our sleep so that we can make sure to take to take steps to banish those things as much as possible. Like stimulants, like caffeine, too close to bedtime. Yeah. Most of us know that 
I read in something that said three hours before, but I think a lot of people will tell you that they have caffeine after noon or two o'clock in the afternoon, it disrupts their sleep. Alcohol, another one. We all love to have our glass of wine in the evening, but if you have it too close to bedtime, it's a real sleep disruptor. Yeah. And, and then anything like a heavy meal, a spicy meal, a sweet snack mm-hmm. before bed, a sugary snack, because think about it. What happens when we take in carbs or sugar, our cortisol levels go up because cortisol's job is to regulate um, the blood sugar balance. And so cortisol goes up. And if it goes up because we had a snack uh, right before bed or a couple hours before bed, actually, even, we can wake up in the middle of the night because what happened? Our blood sugar dropped. Exactly. That's the stress response that will wake us right up. I know. It's not good. So so protein snacks before bed. So getting back to um, how much so how much sleep do we need? Well, anything we I've read and you've read, I think, said something like 8 to 8.5 hours is optimal. Anything less than 6.5 hours leads to headaches, People get irritable, they get anxious, confused, they have, again, the memory chop problems, they get tired. I was and reading that couples get into fights more often I agree. when they have less sleep. And actually, it was this was in context of an article that talked about 14% of married couples now sleep in separate bedrooms. I, I, I'm not, not surprised. My parents had the twin beds back in the day in the 50s. Well, they did. And this is before maybe your husband's on his cell phone or on his computer or wants to watch TV in the bedroom. Or is snoring. Or is snoring. I mean, there's so many reasons and new reasons. You yeah. Know, and for- less, so people who sleep less than six hours a night, this was so interesting, can actually have s- decreased reaction time just like that of a drunk driver. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Significant. That's significant. You know, when you think about that, um, and then less than six hours a night can also, like you talked about before, leads to type 2 diabetes, mm-hmm. premature aging, you know, infections, cardiovascular disease, stroke. That's, I mean, that's a huge cause of, of these problems. You know what I saw the other day, too, in some statistics, um, that millennials, who we know would rather, you know, keep going, they, they yeah. burn the, burn the, burning the candle at both ends, have a very in a significant rate of type 2 diabetes. That's incredible. That it's, in a, it's a rising rate of type 2 diabetes wow. among millennials, and those are the young people. That, and you th- I always think of millennials, well, the ones I know are always being so fit, so it's, maybe they're not, well, there's a lot of obesity. Well, they want to stay awake longer, you know, That's they're also true. using stimulants like Ritalin and Adderall as and opposed Bull. to... And Red Bull energy drinks, and we know that's common among millennials as opposed to the boomers. We used to always, you know, our, our generation used the drugs that make you mellow. Or some <laughs> people did take no dose. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, but, that's true. Um, so, you know, when you think about sleep, so there's different phases of sleep, right? When So when you fall asleep, there's that sleep latency. How long does it take you to actually fall asleep? That, you know, can vary from person to person. And then you go into that sort of light sleep, you know, you sort of get that sort of mm-hmm. warm glow. You feel like you're falling asleep. That's, I think, when people get disrupted sometimes. If you're obsessing about sleep, that's when you're probably w- likely to wake up and go, oh, I can't sleep. You know, you start worrying about things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get into that, you and know. worrying about not sleeping. Yeah, you worry about not sleeping, so you can't sleep. Right. And that, that's happened to me before, I swear. You know, it's that, that's that thing. You can't sleep. You wake up. You go, oh, I have to sleep. I have to sleep. It's that desperation for sleep. But then you get into a deeper restorative sleep, and you to get the, you get to REM, which is the rapid eye movement you know, phase of sleep. That is the deepest sleep, and it's the the true rest. And many people don't get there. I think more and more, that's and more and more, a and that's issue. a real problem. Mm-hmm. And so you know, and they always say so. When you think about it, 
when you go to sleep and you get that REM sleep, if you had a problem that you're working on at work or something like that, you get that sort of sleep on it thing where you go to bed and you sleep on it and they, they call it the committee of sleep. You can actually solve a problem. Yes. Isn't that the most amazing feeling, isn't it? You go to sleep and you're worried about something, but it's a good... Sleep, sleep on it. Sleep on it. I'm going to sleep on I'm it. Remember sleep that on. phrase. It's a, it's a great thing. So we and need... You wake up with the whole thing solved. <laughs> so we really need sleep and everybody's desperate for sleep. And like you said, so 70 million people are not sleeping well. So... So what do you do when you can't sleep? What do you do when you can't sleep? There's all kinds of things that we can do. Of course, we want to try to avoid all those disruptors, but we've got some real key things for you. I mean, some people say get out of bed. I agree. Sleep experts say they get out, just get out of bed. Don't lay there memorizing the ceiling. Well, I, I totally, <clears throat> I've had my share of insomnia based on hormonal issues. And I would tell you that what I've learned is I get myself out of bed. So first of all, I don't want to disturb my husband. It's not fair that my insomnia affects him. Right. So I get out of bed and I go into the living room <clears throat> and I turn on the light really low and I make myself a cup of like sleepy time tea. And then I have my little sleep remedies like Calm's Forte. And I will, and I'll make myself read something that's not super interesting, mm-hmm. you know. Because if I read a book, oh, I could that could keep me awake. That's not good. So I'll get something out like a journal, <laughs> mm-hmm. and read it, and, or something that I nothing that I'm interested in, and start reading that. Because otherwise, that can keep you awake too. A good novel, yeah, it's the worst thing to do wanna, in the middle of the night. Yeah, exactly. so get out of bed. And as you're going to sleep, one of the things I read too is don't think about going to sleep, but surrender to sleep. Like I'm not like I'm not working at going to sleep. That's that, that's kind of putting a spin on it. That's not good. It's it's I'm surrendering. I'm just letting my life, letting the day go. I'm I'm relaxing. I'm in my. It's probably warm the bed. only time we can allow ourselves to surrender, isn't it? Other than a hot bath. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that too, which is another great great remedy. Cure. Yeah. For and then the other thing is how a hot bath with magnesium salts, exactly. which are also very calming and sleep promoting. I love Epsom salt baths. Mm-hmm. It's the best. Mm-hmm. And also how this is a big one about your room and many of us know this but sometimes Huge. people sleep in a hot room sleeping in a hot room is not good for you and sleeping in a bright room is not good for you so that's why you know when you go on an airplane you have those little those little masks that go over your eyes and you put little you know, earplugs in and you try to make the room and, and they turn all the lights off in the airplane you need dark like Candace was saying before any source of light can stimulate that pineal gland to turn off that melatonin. You've got to have it be completely dark. In the nighttime, when it should be. So as night comes on, let's be dimming the lights. Or turning, I've actually read, heard that you should cover up even your clocks that have the, you know, the, the, the blue elect- light the blue emanating light face. in your bedroom. Exactly. Turn over your cell phones. That you can't, don't even they have them in your room. They shouldn't be in the bedroom. It shouldn't be in the bedroom no. anyway. But no th- television in the bedroom. No television. Treat it like it's a birdcage. Put a, put a <laughs> something over it. <laughs> A tablecloth over it. I like it. But it really, the televisions should be banished. None of that, you know, the bedroom should be used for two purposes, right? Right. Sleep and sex. That's and that's it. about it. That's it. I agree. And yeah, and and you know, if and people start mixing metaphors in the bedroom and then suddenly you're eating in your bed and you're, you're watching working TV, in your bed. Working in your bed. Absolutely. No. How about all those movies that show people working side by side? Yeah. Like, you know, and those laptops side by side in bed. Yeah. And then Pretty- taking a little there was one they take a little break, put the laptops down. Have a, have a little in the mood, and I don't know how. It's kind of all part of the work, <laughs> and this shouldn't be work. But I did want to go back a little bit to the, um, Kyle was saying, dark room. So we know dim lights, dark room. You don't want a bright brightness in your room at night, but you do want to throw back the curtains as soon as you get up in the morning yep. and let in the light, get out in the light. Um, people who have sleep problems can really benefit from those light, happy light. 
um, mm-hmm. machines. But getting the light on you as soon as you wake up is the way that you actually build melatonin. Mm-hmm. So that's an important thing. Daylight as much as possible all day long until the evening hours and then start dimming the lights and yeah. bringing on the darkness. And then make sure you have um, another thing that we've heard, read about is that try to have like a routine. Don't be all over the map. You know, like some people say, I sleep in on the weekends till like one o'clock. Well, that's not going to do your body any favors because then Monday comes and your body's all messed up again. Yeah. You really want to set a standard time. <clears throat> Maybe within one or two hours you can vary it, but more than that, you're going to have a real difficult time getting back into that routine. Um, so try to set a standard time. So set your alarm to wake up and, you know, try to get yourself in bed by about the same time every night. Make sure you have a great mattress. That's another one. If, you're, if your bed's not comfortable, you're not going to sleep well and you're going to wake up with your sore back, have a great pillow, have the right blankets. That means a bed that isn't older, a mattress that isn't older than 10 years, please. I agree. Because not only that, you may have, with mattresses that are old, we did a study on that, um, and um, they're full of lice and mites and all different, not lice, mites, (laughs) hopefully not lice, (laughs) but but dust mites. Mice, maybe mice. (laughs) And and, well, I came home to a mice infestation, a mouse infestation. But yeah, the, um, there's all kinds of, uh, there's a, something like a $14 billion mattress industry now I love that, mattress. that is going up and up because <laughs> of the rise in sleeping problems. Yeah. And that's considered part of this $50 billion they're estimating will be spent in 2020 on sleep aids. And that includes mattresses and that, and some of them have sensors that actually track your movements evidently. Oh my and, God. and you know, the kind that have this different controls on either side. Yeah. I remember my husband and I, when we first got married, we, we slept on a futon for years. And then yeah. after about 10 years, we thought, my God, I'm waking up with a sore back. And then when you get a great mattress, there's just nothing or a great pillow. Yeah. Think about when you travel, how hard it is to get a good night's sleep. I can never sleep the first night in a hotel room, but mattresses are getting better. When I was young it, with my first husband, uh, we slept on a waterbed that wasn't heated. <laughs> Because we couldn't afford the heater. So I think I went through my 20s not sleeping very well at all. But yeah, times have changed. And now we've got mattresses like the Casper, which I love not to be doing an advertisement here, but they're just the technology has changed. I know everything. And maybe we have locally made Permit, ones. What naturally, is it? Parkland, there's a bunch of them too. Yeah. So, um, and then, so how about when you're going to sleep? And now if you sleep, again, no nicotine, no alcohol, about an hour to two before sleeping, no vigorous exercise at night. So I know for myself. Not the time to do your big workout. No, I mean, I know I play, when I play tennis at night, I come home, I'm just wired. I can't. Wired, yeah. Can't do it. No caffeine at least three hours before bedtime. And like Candace said before, no sweets or dark chocolate even before. And think about caffeine. Caffeine is in a form of it is in sweets. Oh, in, yeah. In dark chocolate especially. And even in green tea, which we equate with being so healthy. Yeah, not And is healthy. It gives you a calm alertness. But even green tea, we don't want to be... There's so many other teas that you can have. Chamomile. And sleepy time tea is fabulous. Chamomile actually works. And there are chamomile tinctures as Mm -hmm. well that, that are really effective. Yeah, they're great. And even lavender, like oils, like on your, you know, people who have those roll-on oils by your temples and on mm-hmm. the back of your neck. Mm-hmm. Um, then also, I thought this was kind of cute too, avoid scary movies. And and also watching the news at night. Lately, the news has been Lately, horrifying. Lately, we need so a diet of news. We need a diet of news. So try to turn Anxiety producing. Funny shows would be good, something mm-hmm. light, you know, something, you know, just to make you feel happy before you go to bed. And again, like Candace said, a warm bath with Epsom salt. There's nothing like that. 
And there are apps now where oh, they have, yeah, you know, they're there's telling, an app for that. They tell, <laughs> there's an app for everything, but, you know, bedtime stories, um, mm-hmm. soothing music, music, white noise. I've got to admit, I have a white noise machine, the Dom machine, which I have gotten sort of addicted to. That's okay um, to be addicted to that. But I like it. It's just kind of, I remember using that for my daughter when she was first born. We called her Jezebel Decibel because she cried so much and we couldn't, <laughs> and none of us were getting any sleep. So we found this white noise tape. And we would, it would just put her right to sleep. So I remembered that as I got older, when as I have the white noise machine, and then of course with the hot flashes that I sometimes get, I've got a little fan by my bed. And we we should talk about, you know, if hot flashes and night sweats are a reason for waking in the night, what do we do about that? We get tested. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll to, get that too. Yeah. Well, it's funny you said that about you. <laughs> Jezebel Decibel. I had a puppy, oh, a dog named, was... I have a dog named Rosie who's now three and a half. But when we got her um, three, almost four years ago, you know, the breeder said, um, when you leave her in the crate at night or crate in the afternoon, put some <laughs> music on. So we used to have Pandora on the iPad. And it's, it was so funny. I'd put on this like really quiet instrumental music. And, and, and then when I put it on, when I was leaving, she'd like go in the thing and like lay down and like put her head down right to sleep. It was like she got triggered. I think you do get this sort of response to yeah. these cues and and you know it whatever calms down cortisol levels is really what we're talking about it, here we do not want cortisol levels our get up and go energy it, hormone to be rising at night yeah you don't want rock music at night you want calming no. that's why they have all those you know spa musics and relaxation um i know my son loves to take those candlelight yoga classes oh Yo- yoga at night is lovely you know calming a quiet place and you know think about what spas do you know, nice... I didn't know there were candlelight yoga Isn't classes. Isn't that amazing? Really? Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, so think about that. Mm. You know, there's places Create to your go. own candlelight yoga scene at home. Which I love candles at home. Yeah. So, you know, some of the things that we're recommending. So those are some of the things like activities. But what about nocturnal sleep aids? Now, right. melatonin, we've talked about melatonin so much, and so many people use it. I've actually heard from a sleep expert that the best time to use melatonin is really when you're traveling. Like if you're going far away, mm-hmm. you start taking melatonin about three days before your trip and you start taking it at the time of day that you plan on being going to bed. Like let's say when you, you're going to Europe, so it's about nine hours ahead. So you start taking it about nine hours ahead for the first three days before you leave for your trip. And when you get there, you continue taking it. It, it resets your sleep-wake cycle. So you're that, trying to mimic the rhythms of your circ- mm-hmm. the circadian rhythm. Yeah, but some people people here, I noticed a lot of people are taking melatonin. They always say, it doesn't work for me. And I think they're taking high doses, and yeah. I don't think they're using it as as appropriately. <clears throat> and, and some people don't need melatonin. It isn't, that's not the reason they're not sleeping. So. There are other ways to get to the melatonin. Yeah, um, there are. I, I wanted to go back just for a minute because that same proviso for people traveling that can benefit from melatonin more so might also apply to people on night shifts, mm-hmm, would mm-hmm. you think? Yeah. yeah. So take when your bed when your bedtime is coming. I agree. When you're, yeah. Should, but yeah. and I think the high, you know, the common doses are three to five, but that's actually high. I, yeah, I think I, I remember I, when I was at ZRT and we launched our sleep balance profile. Yeah. Uh, which is a dried urine test of cortisol and melatonin. You can really get a good idea of what those two master hormones are doing when you should be sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the you know it we really learned that really one milligram is a good start and not starting with three and five milligrams because you will find that you'll wake up in the middle of the night. You can actually wake if your body becomes resistant to, Mm. um, to doses of melatonin. 
if you've also been doing all these things that disrupt your sleep-wake cycle. You can't just take something. No. So we may talk about things you can take, but all those things we just talked about before, the first thing to do is to avoid those things that disrupt in the first place. Yeah, don't be so, you know, quick to take a pill or, you know, to... Because that's a Band-Aid. You know, think yeah. like, think upstream. Always Absolutely. think upstream. So some of the things, so melatonin, small amounts, like a half a milligram to a milligram three times a week is what I read. And what do you think, Kyle? Do you, there are sublingual forms. I think that... I, that are probably better absorbed. Probably so. And I think, again, like you talked about testing, and we're going to be offering um, a test kit on our, on our website at some point that tests your cortisol and your melatonin levels. So that's... Mm-hmm. Again, we always... Candace and I always advocate testing. When you can't get the results test for sure sometimes when you see that picture it really it you know people look at that graph and they'll say wow that's the story of my life or that's the story oh, the of my cortisol graph of my tortured about. tossing and turning yeah yeah it's true and then so again since we're we are hormone people here at wtf um progesterone we see we, when we talk about women in perimenopause having um issues with sleep it's a lot of times low progesterone and progesterone given to people, even transdermally through the skin, orally has a higher effect on what's called the GABA receptors or the, or the down regulators of the cortisol. Um, progesterone is very calming. It helps with anxiety and it helps with sleep. And I hear that from people all the time. People have said to me, I haven't been able to sleep for years. And I put them on progesterone. They're like, oh my God, I have the best sleep it's of magic. my life. It is and, magic. And really the point being, as we made earlier, that this is when you get into your 40s or late 30s, depending on how much stress you have in your life as well, that is when inevitably hormones start to fluctuate. Mm-hmm. And that is when we er- ovulation becomes erratic, right? Our, yeah. ov- our ovaries sure. are packing their bags for the big M at some point down the road. <laughs> the big M. And, and it's ovulation upon ovulation that we make progesterone. Yep. So what's happening with women in their 40s? They're we may be still having periods, but we're not necessarily ovulating every cycle and we see and then it gets less and less you know fewer and fewer ovulation ovulatory cycles and then we see these low levels of progesterone and we also we see that a lot don't we low levels of progesterone we've talked about estrogen dominance well low low progesterone is kind of the flip side of that yeah it is and then so another supplement people use is gaba let me just go back one minute progesterone gets rubbed in at bedtime too. It can be. And some people rubbed, yeah. often rubbed into the skin at bedtime. And an oral progesterone definitely. Or oral. Yeah, yeah. At night. Um, and then there's that GABA. When we talked about the progesterone binds to the GABA receptors. GABA is a neurotransmitter. Mm-hmm. It actually helps to down regulate or to inhibit excite, excita, excitatory processes. It's the calming center. It is Think calm. But, but what I did when I was reviewing for this podcast, um, you can test for it and it can be low so people can take it. But there are some people who have chronic stress and their levels of GABA will already be very high. So for them, GABA is not going to be effective. So again, it's, you know, when we, we're offering some of these ideas, it's not all these things are not going to work for all people, but these are just suggestions for more natural remedies mm-hmm. rather than le- reaching right for the Ambien <clears throat> or the, or the Trazodone. Cause you know, we're not, I'm not a big fan of, of sleeping pills. I, I tell people all the time, you know, Try to stay away from them because they are, even though people say they're not habit forming, people become very dependent on them very quickly. Yeah. Because they get a, they get this most amazing sleep. They say, I haven't slept like this in years. It's like, yeah, but it's not a natural sleep. So you're not getting the REM sleep. You're not getting that deep sleep. So it's not good for you. It's not restorative. Yeah, and, and people some, feel flat. Yeah. I think there's this feeling when I talk to people that are on sleeping pills, they just feel flat the whole rest of the day. It kind of 
ties in with, you know, and especially if your hormones are changing and you're getting older yeah. and you, you've got declining levels and, you, you know, your enthusiasm and zest for life takes a huge hit. We well, almost feel a little hungover, I think, sometimes, yeah. too. I know for myself, I'm taking like the uh, Tylenol PM like with Benadryl. Benadryl makes me feel terrible the next day. Um, and I think that, you know, one of the, some of the studies now, like Ambien, uh, has been the dose for Ambien for women has been cut in half about 10 years ago. You know, women were taking the same dose as men. What would. is the normal dose? I, I think don't it's know. like, um, uh, I think it's like 6.25 milligrams, I think is what it is now, or five milligrams. But women were taking as much as men and they were finding they were having problems. You hear about people who go on Ambien and they actually go to their computer and they'll send out messages they don't even remember. They have amnesia, am Ambien amnesia. They wake up in the middle of the night. There was a funny episode on Grace and Frankie about this, waking up in the middle of the night and just going eating and not remembering the next day. And so we put, yeah. talk about putting on pounds at night. Yeah. <laughs> if you're having a full meal in the middle of the night mm -hmm. and you're not remembering that, can't be good. And it's been associated with um, some of these sleep ma ma uh, aids have been associated with increased risk of dementia. Absolutely. So, so that yeah. is not I cool. think that was definitely a case with my father who used Ambien for years and years. He was up to something like 20 milligrams. Oh my God. A huge amount. And he rapidly went into a state of dementia. When it came on, once it came on, it happened fast. It wasn't as gradual as some people Yeah, and, and a lot of times, to your point, is people who are older don't metabolize medications the same way right. as young people do. So they Such can have idiosyncratic reactions and it can cause all kinds of mental cognitive changes in we'll people. have to have a, a, an episode on gut health too yeah i know so yeah. so think about so so uh, again try we'll, we're going to try to steer you away in general from taking you know sleep sleeping pills we're not in the sleeping pill camp because they a lot of these remedies we're talking about are you know they work they work they, and and they have to do with balance yeah they work and balance get, is attainable we can rebalance we, we can we, we can. can create a better uh syncopation of of you know well, our, whole, our whole point i think here in talking about this stuff is we're trying to create a better lifestyle for you during yes. the day and this is a holistic thing it's a holistic thing so that when you go to bed at night your body needs that rest and it wants that rest and it mm -hmm. can rest mm -hmm. that's the whole point here is trying to get you get you back into the sleep naturally um I know we talked a little bit about 5htp uh, and tryptophan can't can us why don't you give a comment on that one because you know a lot about well, the conversion on that. What's interesting is, you know, how you want to approach things. Like people who take melatonin might be interested to know that the precursor or the raw source material from which melatonin actually is derived is tryptophan, which is a neurohormone, which then breaks down. And all these hormones, they, they operate in cascades. You know, they sort of break down into different versions of themselves, byproducts down the downstream. And so you've got tryptophan, which breaks down to... 5-HTP, uh, which uh, many people use for sleep because 5-HTP is the precursor of serotonin, mm -hmm. which in turn breaks down to melatonin. Right. So often people who have, who have anxiety disorders that create a, a scenario where sleep is difficult, maybe they're even working up into an anxious state as, as nighttime approaches. Mm -hmm. Am I going to sleep tonight? Mm -hmm. I have to sleep tonight. And yep. you start start on that in the afternoon and the evening. Those people can benefit from 5-HTP yep. in the daytime. Mm -hmm. It's not going to turn into melatonin in the day while there's still light out, but it will convert to serotonin, which gives you this lovely calming mood lift. Yep. And then as darkness comes on, 
the 5-HTP, will, the serotonin will now break down to melatonin. And there's a great book, Julia Ross, called The Mood Cure. That She's fabulous. very up on all of the, the ways, the proper ways to use things like 5-HTP. And she does have a whole uh, sort of a routine for yeah. how best to use it safely. But I have, it's, it's, a good, it's a good way to go also. It is a good way to go. I had a patient recently. I, I put her on, uh, I think it was 50 milligrams of 5-HTP in nighttime. And then Julia Ross in The Mood Cure recommends repeating that dose dose at yes. around midday the next day. Whatever dose you're taking at night, repeating that dose. As Candace said, your body uses it differently. But 5-HTP is pretty fabulous. It's a very nice mood lifter. And again, a caution if people are taking any kind of antidepressants, you have to be cautious with that. But if you're not on any kind of um, you know, mental health meds, these are very, very safe. Uh, and and, and by the way, they may not need, you, we're not talking about this, it doesn't need to be a permanent situation. No. Sometimes we're going through periods of heightened stress. We're mm-hmm. under pressure. I've taken I'm it. I'm having a situation like that. I was out of the country for a few months and then I came back, I couldn't sleep as well. And then some family stuff started happening and I actually have been using the Julia Ross protocol mm-hmm. for a 5-HTP and amazed at how deeply I'm sleeping. Oh my God, I love and, it. And it's I'm only using the lowest dose. And in lately, the last few nights, I haven't used it at all and I'm still sleeping. I'll tell you what so, I use is um, getting into like magnesium. Yeah. I started taking 600 milligrams of magnesium That's night. essential if you oh, have sleep issues. It's the best. It's, you know, first of all, I was, I was, I was struggling with a, I have a knee injury and I was having some pain at night and I uh, started taking the magnesium for that and I thought, oh my God, am I sleeping? And I went for a girls week into the beach a few weeks ago. <laughs> a couple of my friends couldn't sleep and I gave them the magnesium. They both said the next day, that's the best sleep I've had in, in you know months. So mm-hmm. these are some really simple things to try and our body needs magnesium. We're, and we're mostly deficient. Exactly. The soil is denatured. We don't eat the right foods. I mean, dark leafy greens. How many of us are getting enough dark leafy greens? Well, and This girl, <laughs> yeah. but not many. I love my salad. Well, uh, I, I hope I get enough, but it's just, it's it's got to be a really optimal amount. And there are other foods, of course, um, nuts and seeds and yeah it's and things but but it, sometimes when you have a real issue you might need to top up a bit it's with just the supplement. great and then so think about um you have to have um, certain vitamins too to help you sleep and b b6 is one of the big ones that's a precursor to help your body make GABA. Mm-hmm. So B6, I often have people, um, just when they have adrenal, if I see cortisol issues um, and they're testing, I'll have them take high doses of B6 and like like 50 milligrams twice a day. I always tell them not to take it too close to bedtime because it can be energizing, but it is right. important for that synthesis of GABA, which again is calming. So mm-hmm. that's, and B12 as well. These are all really important things for our brain. And D, vitamin D is so important. They've actually, they will, we know the link between low vitamin D and depression. Yeah. And so we know it helps to improve our sleep quality. It reduces that sleep latency, the time it takes for your body to, to actually That's fall asleep. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It raises your sleep duration, so you actually sleep longer. And it improves your actual sleep quality. So there's a lot of things there. And in, in the Northwest, I generally recommend about 5,000 international units of vitamin D3 a day. Well, I, I think you see this in test results. I certainly do. People who test their D levels are often below 20 nanograms per milliliter, which is too low. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the ratio, the range that we, I get is 30 to 100. And what I've read That's is 60 to 80 is what you really is want optimal. to be at. So, and it's, it's startling how many people are uh, D deficient. People who live in the sunshine state of Florida, people who live yeah. in California. Because why? Because we 
you know, and especially people who have the gray winter months that they have to get through in the northern latitudes. But, you know, let's face it, we work out indoors. We work indoors. Mm-hmm. Um, we are worried about sunscreen. Right. So maybe we cover up in the sun. And there's nothing wrong with getting out in the sun for a good 20 minutes a day if you can. Certainly not at the peak, love, you know, not at noon, but you know, later in the day or in the morning, get some sunlight. It's going to help your melatonin and your vitamin D. So win-win. Dr. Oz says 30 minutes in the sunshine every day without sunscreen is what you need because that's what our bodies are used to. Right. Um, so calcium, magnesium, omega-3s are good to take on a regular basis too. They help, you know, to help protect our central nervous system, which is important for sleep. Of course. And one of the things I learned about years ago, and I'm sure you did too, when I was doing a lot of obstetrics, um, taking care of pregnant women, Valerian root. I learned that from the nurse midwives I work with. Valerian is very calming. It has a terrible aftertaste, however. Yeah, but it's usually it, in a tincture. It's usually in a tincture, but it's great. And there's a remedy uh, called Formula 403. I know 303. Excuse me, that has that in it that I used. It's actually it's like like a muscle relaxer. It, it helps you sleep. One of my favorites of you know this is Calm's Forte. Calm's Forte, which is homeopathic. It's homeopathic, and right. I usually t- it says take one to three. I usually take three. I repeat it as necessary. It's really just a gentle, gentle sleep remedy. It doesn't work mm-hmm. for everybody. None of these things do, but in conjunction with other things, they often do that. It's that synergistic approach. Homeopathic is important to. I've been using homeopathic for at least three decades because I lived in England for a while and they are big on homeopathy there. They have a Royal Homeopathic Hospital even. And when you use homeopathy, it has to be taken apart from things like caffeine and yeah. any kinds oh, of stimulants. So, and you just tap it into your mouth and, but it can, yeah, it can really work very well. I know there's well. a lot of debunkers on homeopathy, but I always say, you know, some of the things I've used have been amazing. Well, I like to brag that my kids have never been on an antibiotic because I used homeopathic remedies their entire lives. Wow. Of course, I was feeding them, right? And there were different, they weren't allowed sugars. That's pretty and, amazing. But honestly, they've never been on an antibiotic and I swear by homeopathic and that's, that's another thing. What about... Um, and speaking of homeopathic, Rescue Remedy. Yeah, it's a Bach flower, right? Is a Bach flower. So it's in that same realm of natural I love rescue uh, substances. Remedy. Yeah, they have Rescue Remedy sleep now. And so and that's a spray, great. a sleep spray. Yeah. A sleep. I've always stuff. used Rescue Remedy before I have to give a talk or before anything stressful. And so it's great when you're you know, trying to get to sleep. Let's say you're tossing that 2 a.m. Oh, call. The best. Get up and get some Rescue Remedy in you. I was traveling with my daughter about, about eight or ten years ago. We were getting, you know, we were flying back from Florida and somehow we got stopped and they had to look through our suitcases and it was very upsetting for her. It mm. made her very anxious. We got on the plane and she's, Mom, I'm so anxious. I said, do you want to try some of this rescue remedy? She said, sure. About 20 minutes later, she says, Mom, what is in that stuff? Good stuff. She was like, fell yeah. right asleep. <laughs> Just, just like that. She had no idea. She had no expectations. You know, so it was wasn't like a placebo. I just said, just try this, see what happens. She was like, oh my god, I feel so much better. I used to use it for my kids, especially in the terrible twos. That's great. Oh, it was that's wonderful. Brilliant of you. That was so a- look, look at, for that rescue remedy. All these things we're talking about are in health food stores, easily, readily available. There's a whole line of Bach flower remedies, actually. Yeah. So now but- you've gotten a great night's sleep. So next morning, mm-hmm. wake up, go outside. Like Candace said before, get exposed to light. It's yeah. 
yeah. really important because it turns off that melatonin and helps you maintain that body clock. So get up, get some exercise, get outside if you can, you know, get some, you know, make sure that you get your body going again because you want to, you know, sometimes what happens when you have insomnia and you don't sleep well, you sleep in and you're desperate for those hours of sleep in the morning, but you don't reset right. your body clock. You've got to do sleep hygiene on both ends, morning and night. You know what I think is interesting too? I sometimes use a sleep mask, which is a great way to sleep better, but as morning comes on, you know that it's coming, mm-hmm. take the mask off mm-hmm. and let the light start mm-hmm. to wake you up naturally. And so hopefully that some of these these things we're talking about, you know, help you get a better night's sleep because, you know, really it's going to help you in so many ways. Um, I have found some really funny quotes about insomnia. And you think about people, all of us have desperately had the need for sleep at some times. And I love this. There are 12 hours in the day and about 50 of them are at night. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny because it does seem like the night is so long when you can't sleep, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. When you're waiting there and you're tossing and you're turning thinking, oh, my God, I have to get some sleep. And then a ruffled mind makes a restless pillow. So, again, <laughs> trying to get rid of those crazy thoughts before you go to bed. And, and let's know. not forget to talk about the uh, the ruffled, uh, how about the ruffled clothes that are now drenched in sweat when you have a, <laughs> so you have a night. You, we we want to just mention that you want to get your hormones tested because if you're, you know, this is inevitable, your hormones will change, but how low can they go? I mean, we don't, we can do much to top up and to replenish. As I often say, women used to live 100 years ago to be 50. Now now we're living to be 90. Yep. You want to, how long do you want to put up with that? Not Not me. too long. And if we have natural versions of these hormones now, bioidenticals that are made from plants that we use in Goldilocks doses, we're good. We're safe. And we had a great... Um, episode with Natalie Gustafson, a compounding pharmacist, uh, the episode four, I believe. So have a listen to that. Yeah, four, that's right. So yeah, so then I guess the mo- most important thing is that we want you all to get a good night's sleep. So hopefully we're going to post a lot of these uh, remedies on our website, uh, Women Talking Frankly. But what do you think, Candice? What, what's one of your favorite quotes here for uh, sleep? Yeah, I was just looking. Sleep is the best meditation. Uh, Dalai Lama said that. I like that idea because I have a hard time meditating. Um, <laughs> I have too much going on, right? So yeah. that's when I, I meditate when I sleep. How about your future depends on your dreams? So go to sleep, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's important. I like, I love this one by John, John Steinbeck. And you mentioned something like this. It's a common experience that a problem difficult at night is resolved in the morning after the committee of sleep has worked on it. So that's back to that sleep on it. Yeah. Wisdom of the ages, right? Yeah. So what, um, so can, we always like to end each episode with what we consider our essential truths about um, hormones and hormone balance. Candice, what do you think today's is? Oh, I got to read this. Early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Let's not ben forget Franklin. that one. I ben know, Franklin. That's a good one. Ben. But our, our essential hormone truths, I like the one that says, you can get off the roller coaster. Yes, you can. And get your mojo back. And getting your mojo back means you got to get some sleep. All right. So, so get some sleep, ladies. Get some sleep. Till we see you again. Yes. Good night. Good night. <laughs>